welcome to the Teapot Teapot. Here to take you deeper, deeper. Discussions to invigorate, educate, and activate for consciousness and healing. The Teddy Emerald Podcast is for the people that desire to live beyond the matrix, peeling back the layers, revolutionizing new players to create the life they dream of. Talking with conscious creators, change makers, entrepreneurs, and visionaries of a brighter future. I'm Teddy Emerald, and I'm an EFT healer, iridologist, owner of Trash Vintage, the most colorful vintage shop in Byron Bay. I support women to be fully self-expressed and achieve confidence within themselves. And I'm your host for the Teapot. In this episode, I'm chatting with my friend, Lucette Romy. Lucette is the creatress of the beautiful brand, The Wild. I love this brand. It's natural and organic plant dyes based. And the cuts of the clothes are so beautiful and so feminine and elegant. We discuss how the birth of this business actually came from a parasite, interestingly enough. And we talk about what it really takes to have a conscious brand and the amount of work that goes into it. And if you're considering doing something like this, some core questions that you really need to ask yourself. We discuss the impact of toxic chemicals in dyes and materials and why this is important to know. What's the effect on the human body? And for women, what's the effect on our hormone system? Lucette then shares what it's actually like to be in the modeling industry and the influencers space, the negative effects that it can have, not only on others, but the women in that space as well. And I find that really interesting to kind of get the inside scope of what it's like. And we go into how to really generate self-love for yourself and step into true authenticity and expression. If you're ready to learn more about this, stay tuned for this episode. Welcome, Lucette. I'm so excited to be chatting to you today. Me too. Yay. So you have such a powerful presence on Instagram and you've got such a powerful brand, which I really respect, a sustainable and ethical brand. And you know, we really need a lot more of that in society now. And it's so good to see that movement. And I just wanted to ask a little bit about what was the the passion and the inspiration to create the wild? So, I mean, I, it is so needed. And I think when I first started, I just saw this huge gap in the market where I wasn't finding the clothing that I really wanted to wear made from the fibers that I thought were the best fibers to have. Um, and at the time, the reason that I was looking for clothing like that was because I'd actually gotten really sick with a parasite and in doing a lot of the different research that I was trying to, you know, figure out how to heal my body and how I could, you know, better the skincare that I was using. I, made this huge correlation between our skin being the biggest organ and it absorbing everything that we put onto it and realizing that clothing, if we're wearing plastic clothing, 
we're just absorbing plastic. We're absorbing all of the synthetic dyes, the synthetic materials, everything's being, you know, it's being absorbed by our skin. Mm -hmm. And so I started researching brands that, you know, we're using natural materials that we're using organic materials that we're using plant dyes. And I wasn't really finding anything that I felt comfortable to wear that would reflect my personal style. Mm -hmm. And as a lot of my ship, my, a lot of my focus shifted on, you know, supporting sustainable vintage companies and different ways that I could actually wear clothing that wasn't going to harm my skin or the earth. It made me realize that I could start creating my own stuff. And, um, that's kind of how it all started. Initially I was just living in Bali and made a couple of pieces for myself with a tailor there. And I had so many friends reaching out asking if I could get them a kimono made or I could get them some pants made because they loved the style. And then it morphed into um, actually having a brand, which was really cool. So, yeah. I love that. I had no idea. That's amazing. And something that I just learned was like I know that the skin's the biggest organ of the body, but I didn't think about putting synthetic fiber or synthetic dyes on it. I never thought yeah. about that. So, yeah, yeah that's mind-blowing. What um, what could be some of the impacts that's, that our bodies could be facing from having that, that toxin on it? Yeah, that, that's crazy. That realization was massive for me. Um, one of the things that I've really been trying to do for, you know, the years since I've had the parasite is really focus on figuring out how to create harmony with my um, hormonal system because I was on the oral contraceptive pill and we all know that that plays and wreaks havoc on the body. But um, the same thing kind of happens when you're wearing clothing. So clothing can really affect the endocrine system, which is all of the hormonal systems in anyone's body, whether you're male or female or non-binary, it it will affect you. And it has been um, noted and there are studies that are showing that it can actually cause skin cancer. It can cause all kinds of infertility issues. It can play up with hair loss and certain things like that. Um, there's a whole range of different things that it can do, but it basically is a huge disruptor to the body. And, you know, we, I mean, I have like water bottles that are made out of stainless steel or I have glass ones and things like that because I don't like using anything that has plastic. If I can steer away from it, I will do my absolute best. And a lot of that is because we realize that plastic has, you know, BPAs in it or there's these harsh chemicals. And so we're not using it in any of the things that we know it could be dangerous internally, but no one's paying as much attention to the external factors. And so, you know, sometimes we might buy a new pair of jeans, for instance, that have been dyed black, or maybe they've been dyed in deep indigo blue. If you wear those jeans for long enough, you might notice that there's some rub off on the skin and you're like, oh, there's some dye rub off on my leg. But if those jeans haven't been dyed naturally, then all of that dye is just rubbing off and being absorbed by your body. And it's full of carcinogenic chemicals that are going into the skin and will actually go into the bloodstream. So yeah, it's pretty scary. Wow. It is. Wow. That's so interesting. And that's so empowering to know, like, it's like this, um, when you're on this path to health and consciousness, there's always another level to go. And it's so it's so incredible that, you know, you went, 
you were in that space, like thanks to that parasite, like obviously, you know, a blessing and a curse, like because it's really awakened you to creating this beautiful brand, but also there's such a need for it as well. Yeah. I mean, amazing. I don't think there's enough people touching on the dangers of synthetic clothing, just in general, I think the way that it has impacted humans, but also the way that it impacts the earth too, because even in my personal wardrobe, I have still some synthetic pieces that I love that I've had for years and years and years that I'm like, okay, I want to wear these and I, I don't want them to go to waste. But then I also worry about washing them because the synthetic fibers is just microplastic going into the ocean. And so there's all these different things that then come up when we start learning more about synthetic clothing and how it can be really, really disastrous for the wearer and the earth. And I'm like trying to figure out mm. a way to combat that. And it's, it's yeah, to navigate that space. Can you share a little bit about the microplastics and the impact of that on the earth? Yes. So that one's interesting. Um, I find it most interesting, especially because a lot of the time we are finding that people are trying to do good for whatever part of the environment they're pulling the plastic out of. So maybe they're pulling plastic bottles out of landfill or maybe they're pulling, you know, plastic fishing nets out of the ocean, which yes, are a huge problem. But what we're finding is that there's a lot of companies that are then using those plastics to turn them into uh, fiber, like activewear or nylon or spandex or something that they can use to create swimwear, so lycra. And the problem with that is you're pulling these plastic materials out of the place that they were in when they were in quite a dense form. So a plastic bottle is quite a dense, it's a large object, and you're turning them into a microplastic. And then people that are wearing those swimsuits, even though they are made from recycled materials, they're just wearing them back into the ocean where the microplastics are actually going back into the ocean in a way that we're then not able to retrieve them. And when we wash our clothes, the same thing happens. You know, we're washing our clothes. The water is taking away those little microplastics and they're going into the ocean. They're going into the landfill and we're just kind of perpetuating the same cycle over and over again. But we're actually helping the microplastics along on their journey. And that is actually really worrying for the ocean in a number of ways because all of those microplastics are then going into the, our marine life. They are choking up the marine life. So anybody that eats fish is probably eating microplastics. And that's obviously then affecting humans as well because, as I said before, plastics are very toxic. And it becomes this really unusual cycle that we're in where there are people that are trying to do you know, something innovative and they're trying to do something good by pulling that out. But at the same time, I don't think they're researching far enough to really see what the other end of that looks like where that fiber then can be very dangerous and harmful in another way. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, that is so interesting. Um, with, with that, is there, is there another solution that you're aware of at all for like lycra and things like that or is it just a no-go zone for me 
it, it is kind of a no-go zone. Um, one of the things that I've actually got, which is really amazing, is this washing bag. It's called a guppy bag. And so anything, anything synthetic that you own, you can actually put those synthetic items into this special bag and you zip it up. And then when it goes through the wash, the microplastics plastics actually go into like the lining of the bag. And once they accumulate, you can pull them out and just put them into the trash. Obviously there's still plastic waste, but if you own synthetic clothing, like I do that, I am not quite ready to get rid of yet because I don't want to then perpetuate the more waste. And I do still wear it. Um, you know, you can wash the clothing in there. And then there's other brands that are doing some really, really amazing things. You know, there's Nagnata. I really, really love what Laura May is doing with Nagnata. She's created and she's actually innovating in that space. And one of the big things that I know is a focus for her is not using polyester and making sure that she's using natural fibers like merino wool and cotton. And they're actually focused on creating a zero waste knit so that there's no offcuts. So because there's no offcuts, there's no waste because they're not using, I mean, I think in some of her designs, there might be like a recycled amount of, you know, Lycra or maybe it's spandex or something to give it a little bit of stretch. But in a lot of her designs, they're just merino wool or they're co- like organic cotton. So I think, wow. that, yeah, she's amazing. She, she really does know what she's doing and she's worked in the garment industry for a long time. And I, I actually have purchased a lot of her pieces and I really, really love them. Um, so I try and support brands that are doing things like that. And I mm. think there are brands out there that are really trying to change that space and navigate it in a different way instead of just going for the easy option, which is, you know, we're just going to use this polyester or this spandex and make this active wear. And I think that active wear and probably swimwear are one of the biggest issues at the moment because, you know, everyone does want to be able to wear something in the, the ocean and they do want to be able to wear something when they're working out, but we need more sustainable options. And so uh, the other side of it is I really love brands like crochet swimwear brands that are doing crochet because it's organic cotton. You're wearing it. There are microfibers, but those fibers are cotton. So when they break off or when they separate from the original garment, they're not going to pollute in the same way and they'll actually biodegrade probably in like 12 weeks. So. Wow. Okay. Awesome. That's good. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask what's some other options then for swim. Cause I know there'll be women that are like, okay, but now <laughs> what, like, what do I do now? Yeah. yeah. Hard. And I mean, even for the wild, we've designed some intimate wear and it's tricky because, you know, with anything that's, you know, tight fitting to the body, you want it to have some kind of stretch. So there is some level of spandex and we, in our intimates have had a 5% spandex that is in there, which we can't help. Um, but the organic cotton is 95%. So we try and really ensure that whatever we are using is of the most organic nature. Um, Mm. some of those intimate pieces I've worn swimming before and, the white pieces, there is obviously some see-through nature that happens, which as it awesome. is. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I wear my knickers in the ocean all the time. Like yeah. I really I, I really don't care, you know. It's like it's the same, same. 
Exactly. That's the thing. There's a, there's a strange stigma around that, you know, I, we might be comfortable in a bathing suit in front of people, but then all of a sudden if it's our underwear, we're like, oh, all modest and like shine. <laughs> my underwear are way more like modest than my bikinis are like, yeah. Oh, string. My underwear like, felt like granny, comfy. It just feels different, doesn't it? It's like, I don't know, it just has this edge. It's like it just feels more naked for some reason. Yeah, it is. Mm. It is. Um, speaking of naked, yes. <laughs> you're someone that I see show up nudie a lot and I love it and I want to celebrate you for that. Has it always been so easy for you to be um, be a naked a naked woman? <laughs> I think so. I think, well, yes and no. I think previously I was very comfortable in the sexualized nakedness. And I think that that felt more of, I don't know why, I can't really put words to it. I don't know, maybe it was empowering in its own way. I think it was nice to have an or receive attention for that kind of sexualized for like for a good butt shot or like yeah like sexy photos yeah and I I want to acknowledge you for saying that because that's something that a lot of people would left unsaid it's like the private you know private little kick like oh yeah and then like to say publicly like oh yeah like I don't care about that but that actually takes a lot of courage to be like yeah I you know I've got something from that like good on you for just owning that I've been maybe a little too honest (laughs) but I mean there's not such a thing I I honestly think like the more that we give ourselves permission to go there and say the unsaid things like the freer we become the freer everyone becomes so totally yeah yeah I think yeah I think in that respect I and I see this with a lot of younger girls and younger women now as well because I I was there and I really was in that moment too at times where posting like a really over-sexualized image whether I was naked or wearing a bikini or whatever I was wearing the pose the demeanor everything kind of alludes to that over-sexualized nakedness um you know and with the height of social media coming through it it has become you know very, very obvious that people are doing this to receive likes or followers and receive attention, which I'm not trying to shame anyone or say that this is bad. I come from that place. I was very much in that mindset as well. But I do realize how much that actually affected me personally and the way that I interacted with myself and then how much that that could possibly affect the people who followed me too. And, I, and so I think I've always been very confident in my body. I've never felt, I've, I've actually never felt uncomfortable in my body or being ashamed of it. And I, and I also acknowledge the fact that I'm very lucky. I've never struggled with weight issues. I, in, you know, normal terms, like I used to be a fit model. So I guess in fashion industry standards, you know, I have the perfect shape for that. I have the runway body or whatever it is that somebody wants to call it. I was very lucky to genetically be born in this way. So I've never 
stood on the other side of that and been like, I'm self-conscious about this or I'm self-conscious about this or this. And so I think that that has really helped me just be comfortable in being naked, which I know a lot of women really struggle with. And I can't speak for the other side of that, unfortunately, but I can speak knowing that at the same time, my comfortableness has made other people feel self-conscious and I know that that's impacted other people to feel badly about themselves because I've received messages about it before. And that has been really heartbreaking to be like, oh, okay, my confidence, which I'm so open to sharing. And I, and I still am really open to sharing that because I think it's important for everybody to feel confident no matter what their size is. I don't think anybody should feel shamed or be shamed because we're all blessed in different ways within our body. You know, I don't have big boobs and sometimes I wish I had bigger boobs, but you know, I have a flat chest and I embrace that. But you know, I, we all look at other people and sometimes perpetuate this idea that their body is the perfect body. You know, they've got this beautiful curvaceous figure and, you know, I don't like this square figure or whatever it is. And I think that a lot of that is sensationalized through the media and what it is that we should be, you know, working out to get bigger butt or we should be getting a boob job or we should be doing this because this is what men want or this is what society deems as the right way to look. And I've, I've definitely fed into that as well within myself and I've never gone down that road. I've never actually acted on any of those things, but the thoughts have come and, you know, I think in realizing those thoughts when they've come through at that stage of my life where I was very active in posting overtly sexual images, it made me realize that if I was thinking that from seeing other people, then other people would be thinking that from seeing me and that I was playing into the cycle. And so I needed to like essentially cut the crap and start being honest about my own journey and what it was that I was feeling and things like that, because I was very careful about not posting photos where I had any cellulite. And that was this huge thing for me. Like, Oh, I've got cellulite. Like I don't want to post this because you can see it. It's like, Babies have cellulite. We are born with it. It is so normal and we need to make it normal. That needs to be normalized. And, you know, I have stretch marks and I didn't want people to see the stretch marks. So I would make sure that you couldn't. And I was like, we all have them. Boys have them. Men have them. Moms have them. Grandmas have them. Everybody has them. That needs to be normalized. And it it took me a while to kind of strip back, not literally because that was already happening, but like strip back the identity that I'd associated with how I would express myself nakedly and how I actually wanted to, you know, be perceived because I didn't, I didn't want to be perceived as, I don't know how to word this. I didn't want to be perceived as someone who was like looking for male attention in that overly sexual way. I just wanted to be seen for me. And it was very simple things. Like I remember one of my friends, when we went on a trip, when we were taking photos, you know, I would always put my foot up on like the ball of my foot because it would give my leg that muscle definition. And she was like, stop doing that. You know, like that's not a normal way to stand. No one's standing around in public with their t- 
toes up, like the heels off the ground, just stand flat footed and just stand normally because that's how your body looks normally. And I was like, oh yeah, of course, you know? And then once I dropped my leg, you can see cellulite and you can see the stretch marks. And I was like, these are the kind of things that I need to be aware of when I'm, you know, being photographed or I'm sharing things is like, how is my body posed? How am I distorting myself just in the way that I'm standing or the way that I'm presenting? And how can I just be natural and just be comfortable in being fully naked and not really caring about like how I look on social media or how that might portray to my followers or why I wouldn't get more likes because I have cellulite and these things. And I hope that's making sense. It's just, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask a few things. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, when, when you were doing it and like was more overtly sexual, what was the impact of that on you at the time? Do you remember? Yeah. So most of it, it was pretty interesting because a lot of the reason that I was actually doing that was because I was getting paid to post for these brands that would send me bikinis and you'd look at their page and you'd be like, okay, these images are all like this. So we need to like do something that's going to get like a lot of likes and it's going to be really good for them. So they'll hire me again. That was kind of my mentality. And so, and I've coined this already before. And again, I mean, no shame to anybody, but I was an insta ho and so I was I know I'm like I should stop saying this but no no own it just go there but you know like speak it because it's like it's said in private circles you know like so you're just yeah you're airing it out and good on you celebrating the courage it's about me for sure I agree bring it on um but I was posting, I was posting images that I was essentially selling myself for. And that's like the biggest message that I took away from this. I was selling myself and I wasn't being myself. I was just trying to get this attention so that I would get hired again, so that I would get enough likes, so that I would get other companies to work with me. And then it all became about image. And, you know, we hear about this so much in the modeling industry where people will go to a job and they hardly even talk to the model and they're just like putting makeup on their face and they're dressing them. They don't even ask if they can put moisturizer on their legs. They just do it because they assume like you're here for the job. So it's fine if I touch you, you just become this mannequin. And even though I wasn't and I was doing some photo shoots with brands and everyone was actually very respectful in the shoots that I did, but I was putting myself in that mannequin position where I wasn't really giving myself the space to have an honest voice. And I wasn't also allowing myself to dive into those feelings. I was just looking at how I could potentially get more work and how I could look better for the industry. And it took me on a really dangerous path. And I actually remember saying to my mom, I've always never really liked my nose and that's something that I'm making peace with because, you know, I've seen all these photos of girls with perfect little noses and they're always the one that gets the job and they are always the one that, you know, are in the movie or have the guy or whatever it is. They always have this perfect little nose. And I remember saying to my mom, 
you know, maybe if I got a nose job, I would get more work. And she was like, okay, we need to like reel it in, honey, because this is bad. Like you are diving off the deep end. And if you go there, there's no coming back. Because if you do that, what's next, you know? And so that's what I meant before about like, I was kind of, I was entertaining the path, but I never actually like followed any of those things. And I have a lot of friends and people who are no longer my friends who actually acted on those things and have had lots of plastic surgery and that's everyone's choice. And, you know, people that have something that they're not happy with, and it's honestly going to make their life better for them to change that. I am all for it. But for me, I was really stuck in this mindset of this being good for my career it wasn't something that I necessarily needed to change because it was affecting my day-to-day life. It wasn't affecting my self-esteem because it was something that was actually really, really debilitating for me in that regard. I was just trying to do it for social media essentially and for work. And my biggest worry and my biggest fear is that a lot of the women who are doing that are doing it simply for the image and not because it's something that they actually need to do because it's something that really, really hits them on a deep level. You know, there are a lot of people that maybe they have a disformity or they've got something that has bothered them since childhood, or maybe, you know, it's something that they can not really live without changing. And I'm all for it. I'm totally not against plastic surgery. I just want it to be done for the right reasons. And so in my own realizations of that, I was like, Oh my gosh, I wonder if I've ever affected anyone and made them feel like they need to go and augment themselves in any way because of this. And at the time, you know, I was spending time with girls that were 19 and getting Botox. And I was like, honey, you haven't even started developing wrinkles yet. Like it's not, you don't have any. And it was all, Oh, but it's preventative. And I was like, why would you want to prevent aging? You know, I don't quite get it. And I mean, even yesterday, this is such a, it's such an excitement thing for me, but I have like one gray hair here and one here. And I've only found the one that's like back here yesterday is the first time I've ever found it. And I was like almost in tears. I was so excited. And it was like, my mom thinks it's crazy, but I have like one here that you can kind of see it kind of like comes through in the light. And I'm like proud of it because I really want to, I would love to like grow out my gray hair and just be all gray and majestic. And I just think that would be so beautiful. I see a lot of beauty. It is so beautiful. Yeah. And I love that. It's real. It's so beautiful to be able to connect with you and talk to you about this because often with the body image things, it is women comparing themselves to models. And so it's really great to hear from the inside hey, it's not what it's cracked up to be. Like, you know, it's it can be really dangerous and not even the women that are celebrated in society are seeing their own beauty or feeling confident in their skin because it's the mentality. It's never enough. So it keeps going, like you said, like if you get the nose job, then where does it end? Because there's always going to be something to change because, you, you know, if you're comparing yourself to other women, of course you're always going to be different, like better or worse, better or worse than whoever you're 
comparing yourself to, but as long as you buy into that story and that cycle, it's going to keep going yeah. and you're the one that's getting rocked around, ne- never finding that stability of your own self-worth. So I really love that you, you've you been there and you can own it and, and really just speak truth about what it's like and then also coming out the other side and just hearing you easily say say that about Grey's like, oh, you know, like I'm really excited to see my aging and my wisdom come through and it's majestic. Like, fuck yeah, it is. It's so hot. It's so beautiful. Like I'm the same. Like if I see like a woman with silver hair, I'm just like, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got a girlfriend actually who's um in her thirties and she has silver hair. Like it's so cool. I'm what were you going to say? Um, I just, especially when I was in LA, I, there was a lot of farmer's markets that I would go to and I would always see these beautiful women with this beautiful long silver hair. And I was just like, I'd like whack my best friend. And I was like, look at her hair. It's amazing. Isn't she so beautiful? And I would go up to them all the time and be like, I just, you are so beautiful. Your hair is amazing. Just, you are just, you're glowing. Like you're a picture of magnificence. And they were always like, oh my God, thank you. And I was like, I mean it. You are a wonderful person. You are so magnetic. And that was just. I love that. I love that. And that's, that's really powerful because by you, your eyes seeing that as beautiful, you're telling yourself on a subconscious level, that's beautiful. You're choosing your standards of beauty and to go and like share that, you know, that, that, um, I was going to say, it's almost like a blessing. Like you're going up and being like, you're, you're beautiful. I'm celebrating you. Like that's so nice for the other person to experience, Mm -hmm. but it's also super nurturing for yourself. Like your subconscious is listening to everything you say. And so if it's like, oh, you get excited by those women, then it's like, oh, I'm excited about aging. So it's really cool to see that. I I just want to ask, um, with that change, you know, from being so deep in that that old headspace of like, you know, comparison and gratification and all of that, what what caused the shift for you to now be where you are? This was actually, it was pretty heavy. I think I'd kind of been, it was definitely around the time when I'd said to my mom, you know, maybe I should get a nose job. And I was feeling inwardly very depressed about myself. And obviously none of that was ever put onto social media. On social media, I looked like I was living the dream in Bali and bikinis on the beach, doing all of these things. But I was really struggling personally, finding that disconnect between what I was sharing and how I was feeling and making myself feel really bad about never being good enough. And I actually received a message from a young girl and it was one, and I've tried to find the message, but it was one of the hardest things that I ever had to read because she had messaged me and she'd said, you know, like, I really need your advice. I am so scared that I'm never going to be able to attain my life dream and goal of becoming a social media influencer. I really look up to you. And she told me that she had been going and seeing therapists and she was seeing someone because she was depressed and she was really, really depressed and couldn't find out how to like become an influencer and wanted my advice to do that. And I was like, 
what have I done? Like she's messaging me, which means she's looking up to me as someone who has all the answers to this. And I'm feeling really, really badly about my, I'm feeling how she's feeling and I'm in this position. So how do I address this? And it, and it really, really hit me hard because everything that I was sharing and I started looking at it and I was like, there is no reason for anyone to want anything else from my page than to be this because I do make it look really idealistic. And people would be looking at this going, wow, she's so lucky. And like, isn't it amazing? She lives in Bali and she just lives in bikinis all day. And she has this perfect body and all of these things. And I was just absolutely floored by it. And I remember writing back and I can't remember exactly what I said, but I'd said, you know, like, it's not all it's cracked up to be. I'm actually really struggling as well. And thank you for your message. And I'm so sorry you're going through that. And I would love to talk to you more about this if you ever want to, you know, expand on this, but please know that this isn't a real career, you know, and I, I'd only been doing it for a couple of years and social media hasn't existed for that long. So for it to be someone's life dream and goal was just, I couldn't believe it because I'd kind of fallen into it. And there are people who plan their whole lives around this. There's university degrees and all kinds of things where you can study, you know, how to be better at marketing on social media. And I was like, wow, I mean, we as humans are evolving really quickly to adapt with this, but I don't know if that's something that I want to, I don't know if that's something that I want to be like heading to make young girls feel that way. And so I really was also struggling with the fact that I was running the wild, which was a page where I was sharing one side of myself where I was like fully empowering women, wanting to express women, being confident, being completely comfortable in their bodies and like seeing how they felt in natural materials because I was going through that journey. But then on my personal page, I was this completely other identity and I hadn't yet claimed I mean, I owned the wild, but I never told anyone that was mine for the first two years that I owned it. And so I was essentially living this lie on my personal page being like, this is life. This is all the things that I'm doing. And on the other hand, trying to reconcile with what it was that I actually wanted to express and how I wanted to portray who I really am internally. And receiving that message, I was kind of like, mm-hmm what am I like doing? Why am I wasting this time? I should just be doing this right now. And when I look back at it, I have always thought that I did it really slowly and kind of transitioned slowly and stopped working with brands over time because also those brands didn't align with what it was that I was trying to create. But I was looking at it going, I actually need money to keep the wild going. So I was doing the dirty work and trying to build the good work and it was it's really hard place to be in. And, and I don't know, I thought I did it really slowly, but a lot of my close friends who knew what I was going through were all like, no, babe, like one day you were this, the next day you were like, here I am, welcome. <laughs> um, so it's funny to see that because I thought it was very gradual, but I guess I just kind of had enough. And after I got that message, I was like, I can't let I can't let myself be the reason that another person is struggling like that. So, yeah. Mm, That's, that is so powerful and such a, 
such a wake up call, isn't it? Like I can, I can feel the impact that would have had on you that that did have on you. And then from then, what did you aspire to do with your gram? Like, how did you bring you through it? So I didn't, I still didn't claim full um, responsibility for the wild as all of that was happening. It was, yeah, we, I've had the business for four years. So I probably did that about a year into owning the wild. Um, so I just started sharing more organic material. So I was sharing pictures where I was doing work for the wild and acting like I was just kind of hired by them to do something. I'm working for this better company. Cause I was trying to, as I thought I was trying to gradually do it. Um, and I think that it was also around that time that I actually went on the retreat with you and Sal when I got really sick. And oh, yeah. I think it was around, it was, that was somewhere in amongst that. Um, but I remember posting on that trip and there was this beautiful, beautiful photo that Jody had taken of me where I was walking up a set of stairs and cellulite was just like boom on my butt. Oh, I loved that photo. Do you know what, when I, that was, when I think of you, I actually think of you and that, that picture comes up and the, the caption that you wrote for it and you were like, yeah, like this is natural. This is me. Like I'm not going to hide it. And yeah. that was years ago and yeah. there wasn't many people doing that years ago. Yeah, that was huge. I had a lot of people message me being like, whoa, thank you for this. We never thought you would post anything like this and we never thought like you even had cellulite because of that image that I'd been so strongly rooted in. Um, so it was things like that and I, I just started opening up more and I started as opposed to doing, you know, a two word caption, like beach days, like, <laughs> obviously you're on a beach. <laughs> Let's so I just stopped. I mean, I, I still caption every now and then when I'm like, eh, I don't know what to post for this, but I love this photo. So like, here it is. Um, but I started just being more real with my words and I started being more real with my images and posting things that inspired me and sharing more of me in nature and with clothes on. So <laughs> yeah, it took yeah. a while. And I mean, I'm still finding my voice and finding the way in which feels best for me to express and finding the balance between oversharing my private life and, you know, keeping something sacred just to me and then sharing the things that I think could actually be beneficial for other people to you know, better themselves or like figure out what it is because I've learned lessons that maybe have been really painful for me that I feel open to sharing that could be really valuable in helping someone else get through whatever their trauma is. And I'm not here to be their, you know, their guru or anything like that. But I think we do learn a lot from the people that we interact with and that goes for social media as well. So yeah, photos, mm. things that can, I guess, give more realness that's kind of where yeah I think that's where it's at isn't it and that's it's so great to see people consciously choosing realness mm -hmm. like it's and it's not to bring down anyone that wants to celebrate beautiful photos beautiful imagery of themselves like I do it you do it we all do it and of course we want to celebrate those good things and it's awesome to look at okay what am I portraying to the world like what could be the impact of that 
and who am I really? And be like, okay, well, I'm choosing to show up and share some vulnerable stuff. You know, like if I'm feeling crap about myself or, hey, here's, here's like rolls or hairs or this is my pimples, I'm not going to cover it. Like I am not here to please you or that that egoic, egoic voice in the head that wants to say I'm not good enough. I'm not here to prove anything. I'm just this is me and in all of it, you know, the good and the yeah. – well, who are we to judge it and say it's not good? Because really those those things are the things that make us grow and deepen in yeah. love. So Yeah. You know, the parasite was the initiation initiation for the wild and the wild's bringing so much good good to the world, you know, conscious conscious materials and sustainable and healthy for women's bodies and their hormones. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks, love. Trying. Yeah, so it is. So actually, being an entrepreneur, um, how do you go, you know, managing all of this? Like do you have any – any tips of, you know, building building a sustainable brand and, you know, the impact that has on you, the energy levels, because that's a lot. Yeah. I think it – do you know it's hard? I get asked – I actually get a lot of people message me being like, I want to start this sustainable brand and I want to do this. And how do I start? I'm like, man, my, my start was not a conventional start. You know, I kind of, I knew that I'd always wanted to have a business. I didn't know specifically what that business looked like. And that always been ideas. I'd always floated different ideas around in my mind or sketched things out when I was younger or whatever it was. But it, it, you know, the parasite really was the catalyst for everything to kind of come together. But even when I launched The Wild, I didn't even launch it with the clothing. I actually launched with homewares that were made out of recycled and repurposed teak root. So it's called um, like burlwood. I can never pronounce it right. But it basically is like the root and it has all the beautiful knots and the grain. And it's like, it's so special. And I launched with this wooden collection of bowls and cups and wooden chopping boards. And that was while I was, I'd like been trying to figure out, you know, my health and everything. And I was so passionate about health and food and cooking. And I was also really passionate about clothing, but it just seemed a little bit out of my depth at first because I wasn't a designer. I didn't grow up. I didn't go to a design school or anything like that. I grew up sewing and knitting here and there, but I just wasn't sure about sizing and how to formulate that for everyone yet. And so I wanted a little more more time to work on that. And so, yeah, the way that I started was just, it was very small. You know, I started with $500 and I just bought some stuff and got it laser engraved and, you know, really loved what the makers had made for me and the different shapes and the bowls and everything like that. But I'm still learning. Like I didn't study business at school or anything. I was terrible with maths. Um, it's been a very interesting journey for me personally. And I, I don't know, I guess I don't know how to give proper startup advice because my journey was so bumpy and like figuring everything out and still figuring everything out and finding my feet with owning a business. I think one of the biggest things that I would recommend people to do is get really, really clear on the why of they want to have a business because 
I think I would, I think I'm someone who doesn't like to work for other people. And so I think I am someone who would still start a business, even knowing how hard it is. But I think if a lot of people actually worked out before starting a business, everything that's involved, there would be a lot of people that would decide not to start a business because it is such a commitment. It is really 24 hours a day if you're creating products and you have to be, you have to be online. Like you, you have to be, I mean, if, if, if it's an online business, but you have to be willing to answer emails, you have to be willing to get back to people on social media all the time. You have to be willing for feedback. You have to be willing that people are going to give you negative reviews and you're going to have to have a response for it. You have to have, there really has to be like a backbone in you to withstand owning a business and wanting to push through because a lot of businesses fail in the first two years because they come up with this idea and then it seems too hard and they're not making any money. So they just drop the ball and just start doing whatever they were doing before. And so I think my, my biggest and most important advice would be find out why you want to do it. And if it's just to make money, then you don't have a good enough reason because Mm. Most businesses that, you know, really survive are the businesses where someone has had this dream and they were like, like the founder of Spanx is a a good example. She saw this gap in the market. She was like, I really want shapewear that's going to hold me into place that I can feel comfortable in. That's not going over my foot and I can be really confident in that body and be like, okay, I'm wearing these shapewear that allow me to wear this dress out for this event or whatever it is. And her reasoning wasn't to make money. It was to empower women and it was to allow this product to be something that filled this gap in the market. That was her why. Her why wasn't to make money. But as a result of her passion towards that project, she's now become one of the richest women in the world because there was this huge belief. And so her belief system that she allowed other people to become aware of became their belief system. And I think that's really important. And a lot of people start business for the wrong reasons. They think that maybe it's a really easy way to, you know, we just start this business and we'll get rich quick and it doesn't work out that way. And you have to pay taxes and you have to look at paying staff. And there's so many logistics involved in running a business and, you really have to have the drive and the passion behind it. I think for those businesses to really work, you know, people like Steve jobs who knew that he could do something different. There was a bunch of other computer companies that already existed. So like he also had to, as business owners, we also have to, you know, really navigate the waters of, okay, someone's probably already done this before, but how can I do it better? And how can I innovate this product? And how can I, bring more value to the world with what I'm doing. And you have to be willing to not get discouraged and really keep that backbone strong. And so that's like the hard and honest truth, but like there really, there's no easy way to start a business. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think that that's it. It's looking at your why saying what's the, what's the passionate reason because yeah. And that's something that you can bring to whether you're doing business or doing a create a creative, 
you know, expression, you know, like if you, if you're in a band or if you do art or you dance, it's like, you really need to feel your why for whatever you're doing, because there are going to be so many knocks. There's going to be rejection and cynicism. So whatever you're doing, like if you can dip in and really, I find making the why not about yourself, but rather the the others you know the earth or the animals or others or like the impact that it's going to have or the value that it's going to give that really pulls me forward because I don't really care about me in all honesty I'm like yeah I've got healthy self-esteem and I'm like woohoo go Teddy but I'm like I'm not that doesn't motivate me to show up and do what I do it's like Mm. it's the ripple effect that it can have in have on humanity really totally and I think one of the things I think one of the things that helps me keep going is obviously I'm very well not obviously but I am a very creative person and I love to create and so I really find enjoyment out of creating but the logistical side of things is a little bit more tricky for me and so I do have you know I do have one person that actually works with the business and helps with logisticals and obviously I have beautiful and the account yeah great because they help me with tax which I'm very bad at um but there is also how do I put this there's also this space where you know I think a lot of people don't realize that just because you have a huge audience doesn't mean it translates to sales And I think that was something I also realized within the personal space of what I used to post and work on for brands is that I have this very large following. Now I've got a hundred thousand followers, which maybe isn't a lot to a lot of people anymore because so many people have lots of followers, but a lot of those people are actually on my page because of what I used to post. And maybe they're still there in the hopes that I'll post a tit and ass shot. You know, they're like, (laughs) what is it? Flashback Thursday, throwback Thursday. (laughs) Me with like, you can almost see my butthole or something gross. Um, But it's really interesting because, I mean, not all of those people will translate to a sale. And I think that, as I said before, it's a lot of the businesses that really succeed is because their why is for the people that believe in them. And so the businesses that do really well could be really, really small businesses. It could be a tiny little yoga studio where the person has this amazing community that comes in and maybe they can only fit, you know, 15 people into the studio, but they've got three sessions that they do a day. Everybody loves them because they really believe in what the studio offers. And so it does well. They don't need 150 people to show up to each class to do well. And so everybody's business is going to look so differently, but it's about, yeah, like you said, serving the people and like, what do they want to see and what is your why and how does that impact them? And how can you, how can you bring in the people who believe in what you believe? Because there's so many people that are doing things for the wrong reasons and they're not seeing sales because the people that they've called in aren't magnetized to what it is that they've created. They're just there because maybe they bought the followers or they bought the likes or that all the, all that their focus was on was the engagement. And so where they've got 30,000 followers and no sales, when we've got people with 300 followers who are doing really, really well. And so 
it's, it's less about the amount of people that you can reach. And it's more about, you know, the people who really believe in what you're creating and, and want to support that. And Mm, yeah yeah I feel you I feel you and I wanted to acknowledge that you also brought up something that I think is really important for entrepreneurs to hear is delegation you don't have to do everything so you've got an account that does the things so you know play in the space that you're strong at Mm -hmm. and then give what you're not strong strong at to people that you know they love doing that there are people that love doing accounts like they've got that strategy brain and they're like yes totally you know so and I think and I also wanted to bring up as well because I can see this in just the way that you've been speaking is that you really celebrate other people that are in your industry um bring up Nagnata Nag how do I say it Nagnata I think it's Nagnata I listened to yeah you got it Nagnata yeah. Um, I met her. She's beautiful. Like, and it's real. you're, um, I'm like all stuttering cause I'm excited. <laughs> too many, too many thoughts going in and I just get a, a traffic jam. So I think in this space, there's really like a new paradigm of business coming through because there's leadership in a different style. Mm. And it's like where we care about the earth, we care about humanity and we're doing things in a different way. Like fashion didn't used to give a crap about, you know, toxic dyes or waste byproduct or Mm. the conditions that people were working in. That was unspoken about. However, there's this beautiful uprising of many different people that really care about that and are making dif- making differences and making changes in that space. And instead of having that old comp- competition, competitive, um, you know, uh, bitchy jealousy, envy, that kind of energy in business, instead, like oh, there's only enough room for me, you can see that there's a a whole bunch of conscious people coming through. And with that, there's a new consciousness around wealth and business. And it's like, hey, you're on the same team as me. You're doing something that's bettering our world. And I want to celebrate you. Like you didn't have to bring up her in this conversation and you did, and you celebrated what she was doing. And that's just such a testament to the level that you've gone down to yourself and being like, no, I'm going to, I want to help people. And I love what you're doing. I'm going to celebrate that. And that, that energy translates to um, not just business but also, you know, feminine friends, like not being in competition with each other, celebrating each other's success, lifting each other up. And I think that that's really the, the way forward in leadership, like not allowing that competition in into our minds and into our space and, you know, through whatever vessel we have that we're bringing through, whether it's business or it's a creative expression or if we're parents, like if we hold that energy of I'm in competition and there's not enough to go around, the scarcity mindset, we make it okay for everyone else to have that. Whereas if we reconcile that in ourselves and be like, no, we're all doing it together, you're doing a good job and you're winning and that that's awesome and it doesn't take anything away from me, then we we like we set that container for everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean that is it is such a important topic because there are so many people that I have connected with because I have a following and so they wanted to send me stuff where they've been nervous to reach out because I have my own brand and I support everybody. I love so many of these businesses so much because although I have my own brand, like I 
I also, I don't want to be like this big billion dollar business. Like I, I still want to have a small business. I don't want to take over the world with the wild. I would like to reach the people who find it inspiring, but like, I don't need to, I just don't find the need to compete. As you said, like with these other companies, it's not, it is definitely not in my plan to feel like I can fill all of the space with everything. And like, I need to do active and I need to do swimmer and I need to do this and I need to do this. So like nobody else can have that. And that just, it, it feels a bit dirty. Mm. So mm. way to put it, but you know, so many of my good friends actually have their own brands and I will, you know, if I'm not wearing their pieces, I might be photographing their pieces for a campaign for them. Or maybe I'm, you know, sharing it just online because I love it. And I really care about what they have. And I could list a whole bunch of them right now. And they're all amazing and doing really wonderful things. And it is, it's not just yeah. space, you know, if we lived in a small village in a small community, there would be more than one weaver and there would be medicine women and there would be beautiful farmers and there would be people that share those same, you know, values and those same enjoyments. And I think that within fashion, it has become so competitive, but we've lost that same conversation that we can have with the people that we have those things in common. So designers talking with designers about, you know, this and that, you know, we are seeing that they are friends and we are seeing that they are, you know, collaborating and doing things together now. But I think that there is, you know, this kind of like jealousy and like you're taking up too much of that space where my space should be. And as long as no one's like directly copying designs and like buying from you and doing that kind of thing, I think, you know, we can all kind of get along. Mm, yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. Like, because, you know, it, it comes back to thinking about consciousness, you know? So like, if we think, oh, there's only this amount, of course, we're going to be fighting and get jealous and competitive over it. But if we actually look at what's the belief system behind that, oh, that there's not enough. Is that even true? Is there really not enough in this universe? No. So it's like, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a way of self-development, you know, like yeah. you can break through this this limiting belief that you've been holding and probably been passed on from your parents and definitely imprinted from society. So you can bust through that in yourself, alchemize that, and then like hold that container for your business. You know, it's so cool. I love how, you know, everything's interlinked like that. Yeah. 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 As well, you know, I'm inspired by so many of my friends that have those brands and it inspires me to do better or maybe I might inspire them to do something a different way or do something you know new and fresh for them and I think that's really lovely and celebrate that inspirement not to be like oh I saw this thing but I'm just going to keep it to myself and pretend like I did it on my own it's like no they inspired me yeah I love that (laughs) more celebration more celebration (laughs) yeah Oh, thank you so much, Lisette. That was really beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Of course, that was so nice to talk to you. This episode was brought to you by Body Bang Bang, the body confidence program designed by me to help you save years of vicious cycling, yo-yo diets and self-sabotage so that you can feel banging in your bod right now. To find out more, head over to my website. Feeling inspired and motivated, 
Maybe you've just had a light bulb moment. I would love to know. Share your inspo and connect with me at teddy.emerald through Instagram. T-E-D-D-I dot E-M-E-R-A-L-D. See you next show.